eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold. Thursday night football edition. Saints taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And man, oh man, it has come fast and furious this week. I don't know how the players deal with it because I'm I'm feeling dizzy myself. I'm sure you are, Jeff, of just everything being condensed. But uh, like I mentioned before, hopping on with you, definitely looking forward to at least Sunday some extended chill time on the couch. Yes, and I'm glad you I'm glad you went with Fast and the Furious because much like the Fast and the Furious these days, none of this makes any sense. It's all a mess. <laughs> Everything's here and there. The the threads have been pulled out of the sweater. I don't know. All I know is the Saints got to find a way to win on Thursday night. And we're going to get into a, a lot about the offense this week. And Nick, it's got to look better because if it doesn't, I, I think heads have to roll to some extent. And we'll, we'll get into that. We'll also be talking to Hayes Carlion, Jaguars reporter for 1010XL in Jacksonville. He's not exactly bullish on the Jaguars chances. So we're going to dive into that, whether he thinks Trevor Lawrence is going to actually play all that stuff. So stay tuned for that in the second segment. And then the final segment, you know, the Saints' biggest question this week, in my opinion, is who, who plays on the offensive line? Not whether they play well, who's actually out there? And I have some ideas about who might play. So we're going to dive into that in the third segment and then break down some of our X factors in 
this week's game. But, you know, first things first, one of the things that I talked about in the last episode that I do want to kind of put a bow on is Caesar Ruiz. I was curious after watching that game whether he's ever played right tackle before in his life, let alone practiced it. Has he ever done it? And uh, yeah. we got a chance to catch up with him in the locker room this week. And this is what he had to say. Had you ever been practicing at all? Uh, I used to mess around. Like sometimes I would do it on like last year. I'd mess around and do it on scout team just to mess around. Because I was like, I, in my mind, like, I'm never going to do this. So right. I just mess around. So when I asked, when I went out there, I was like, you know, it's the first time I'm doing this in the game, but like it's not the first time I've ever done this, you know. But first time I had to do it when it mattered. Right. So how hard is that to do, man? I mean, that's uh, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely some um, some new to do, uh, especially move from you know center guard tackle. Um, I've done it. I've done all three now, so I could I can I can say that. I didn't mess right. We're gonna slide you on. Keep on sliding. Yeah, mess around for me at running back. Do something like that too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean it was it was um, didn't really think much about it though. It was kind of just like, hey, season, we need you. Cool. I'm gonna go do it. Yeah, I mean that, that's my kind of question. How did that conversation go? Did you volunteer? Was it? You know? It wasn't much of a conversation. <laughs> yeah. It was like it wasn't time to have a conversation. Like hey, we need you to go do it. All right, cool. I'm gonna do it. And there you go. You know, I I like. I like Caesar. I think he's had a kind of off and on start to this year. I would have liked to see him come out a little hotter. You know, he, he I think he had a, a really solid step forward season last year. He ended it with the injury. You know, he was healthy throughout camp. I think he is still kind of finding his way back. But, you know, there are worse things to be than the offensive lineman who can play every position. You know, you talk about guys who can be flexible on the offensive line. Usually it's like, oh, he can play guard or tackle. Oh, he can play guard or center. Oh, he can play center. Maybe maybe he should just play all positions, like just play all five in one game. I, I doubt there's anyone that's ever done that. Maybe maybe that's what it is. But anyway, like I, you know, I don't think he played particularly well at right tackle. But like he said, basically all he had done to prepare for that was watch Ryan in practice for a couple of years and be like, how hard could it be? Well, it's kind of hard. No, I, I like when you asked him, what was that discussion like? He's like, it, there wasn't really much of a discussion. Yeah. <laughs> and I asked Dennis Allen, was, like, is, was that even kind of the plan going into the game? Like if Ryan went down, maybe Caesar could be the guy. And he was like, no. <laughs> like that was the plan after everyone got hurt. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the offensive line in the final segment. But, you know, when as we look at the offense and we talk about the offense, I just think it's important to kind of set that as the idea of like, you can only do so much behind the, an offensive line that is just leaking like a Sith. And in, so, you know, how, how much can you expect out of that line? You gotta be able to run the ball. Um, and you know, like as you kind of prepare this game plan for this week, people are going to be like, Oh, you need to make changes. You need to do this. You need to do that. I'm, I need them to be able to do the things that they think is good, like that, that, that they can do, right? It's a, all the things you want to do. What can you do yeah. is the real question you need to answer. Yeah, and unfortunately, running the football hasn't been one of those things that has come easily for this squad. A, a positive, though, hey, you're getting another one of your main backs back in the rotation, but how big of a role is Jamal Williams going to see? Yeah, he was limited in practice the last two days, whatever that means. Like they haven't really practiced. They just do these kind of walkthroughs. So, but you know, like if they don't need to see him practice to play, I would be surprised if he has a huge role. I think this is kind of yeah. going to be one of those like, okay, 
get him in there for a couple reps and see how he looks. And if he looks good, maybe give him some more work. But yeah, either way, I would love to see him be a short yardage guy, like be a weapon in short yardage. Because, you know, as much as I love Alvin, I don't want to see him have to go out there and pound his head into the line. I want to see them be more creative with him and get him work in the passing game, get him involved in the screen game. And it's there's only so many reps you can throw at that guy uh, in terms of you want to keep him healthy. And so, you know, that's a big thing about getting uh, getting Jamal back. I feel like the same thing with Taysom, too. There's so many, you know, you don't want to run him into the to ground either with all the beating he takes well, with contact. Yeah, and I mean, it, so the thing is with two, like Taysom in short yardage, while it's, it's a good option to have, the problem is it's very, very telegraphed to like... Right, right. At least with Jamal in there, there is the idea that he could, you know, you could play action out of it and go deep or something, right? With Taysom, while it does work a good a good chunk of the time, you know, the defense knows exactly what they're getting and they're going to load up. And so it's tough to run. Even when you're, even when you have that extra blocker, it's tough to run like that. There's only so many, there's only so much inches of grass you can put your feet on, <laughs> right? Like, where do you find that space? So, yeah, like, I think that's just an advantage to have a guy like that. But, you know, one thing that, you know, we talked, we heard from Pete Carmichael this week and he got his, he got his Akon on. And I say that because, you know, every time I hear Pete Carmichael talk, it reminds me of that Akon song where he's like, he's like, blame it on me. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like you could put the blame, blame on, on me. And he yeah, says yeah, it like yeah. eight times in a row. Like literally. Uh, no, I was thinking I'm blaming on the alcohol. Never mind. No, different song. Yeah. If you look up the lyrics to blame it on me by Akon, okay, okay. there is one, like one set of lyrics that is literally like, you blame it on me, blame it on me, blame it on me, blame it on me, blame it on me. You can put the blame on me. It's like literally that yeah, for like a me. minute. That's yeah, on me. And it, and it's a good song. It's a good song. <laughs> the context of it is a little weird to compare it to because, you know, you can Google that all you want. But anyway, you know, that's what we get from Pete Carmichael. He's going to take the blame, but <laughs> there's no real solutions being offered. One thing he did say this week that I know is going to get a huge eye roll from fans is, is the idea that maybe the offense is too complicated right now. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I, I actually think it's, it's, it's accurate. I think that is something that the saints need to look at, but I, this is how that, this is how that whole went, that all went down. Consider, uh, reducing what you're doing. Yeah. I think sometimes, I think sometimes that's one of the things that you look at and say, Hey, are we trying to do too much? Do we have too much in? And so I think that's, that's always a, a consideration. I mean, are you yes. at that point right now? Oh, I think we, um, I think, you know, again, a short week too, as well, going in there and just making sure that we're doing our, our core things. When uh, some of those communication issues uh, are, are they almost always on adjustments or checks or or no it could, they, no it yeah, could just be it could be, it could be and what is I mean I feel like this stuff you hear around the league every year from offenses and defenses we're going to simplify things what like is that usually a last resort is that no, is that a negative when no you hear I, a team? I don't think it is I think it's just uh, you know sometimes you as a coaching staff you got to be careful that you're not doing too much and I think that's what. That could happen any time, any year, even when, you know, things are going well. So I think that it's just a matter of, uh, you know, reducing, make sure we're doing our core, our core things, the things we believe in uh, that guys are comfortable with. Beyond beyond just the communication, were there some issues in terms of route depth? And it seemed like some of the mesh concepts were very compressed. Yeah, I just, uh, again, I think, uh, I think, again, we all have to be better, so. We all have to be better. You know, and again, like I, I could already see, I don't even need to look. I'm sure if anyone tweeted that, I think Aaron Summers might have tweeted that and I, I saw like it had like 30 quote tweets and I don't even need, need to read them to know exactly what's being said about that comment. But like, I do think that 
there is this misconception with NFL offense that more complicated equals better. And it's not true. You know, a lot of times you can outthink yourself and it's like you have all these playmakers. You don't need to do crazy stuff to get them open, but you do need to get everything right. You do need to get the details right. And I think that there are points in this season where you're trying to do things. It's like, no, you just just run a slant. Just let Mike run slants. Like, why are you trying to 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 run like these these weird concepts with motion when it's like you can't do these simple things right? And while I do think you want to incorporate motion, you want to you don't want to give the same look every time. You know, you do need to execute. And I think that there are points where it's like, yeah, pare it down. Make sure everyone is on the same page and run the offense. Run the ball. Just get to your core run plays and and execute them correctly. Right. And and I think you get you, you throw the ball 50 times in a game and in a game that you didn't need to throw fit like in a shootout game. Sure. If it's like a 40 to 35 game, throw the ball all you want. You got to keep pace in a game like that. Both teams scored three points in the second half. What did that passing actually get you? And so I, I actually agree. I think that the Saints offense would work better if it was streamlined and you you just kind of ran an offense. I listened to, there was a podcast. It was actually in our podcast feed. That's why I found it with Mark Schlereth um, talking about the Saints offense. And, you know, he called the game in, in Houston. So he has a good idea of, of what he's talking about. And one of the things that he said that I, that I agree with is when the Saints are out there calling plays, it doesn't seem like they're calling an offense. It seems like they're just calling they're calling this play. It's like, okay, what's the next play? You know, it's they're calling plays. They are not calling an offense. They are not they are not setting things up and hitting them the way that you really need to for rhythm offense to work. And so for me, that's what I want to see. I don't need to see crazy motions. You know, it'd be great if they could do that and execute. It'd be great if they were the 49ers or the Dolphins and and you could have all of these exotic, you know, motions and shifts and stuff like that. But that's not what you need to be successful. You need to run, like he said, you need to execute your core plays, your core beliefs, the things that you have to work for you to be successful. You have to execute those correctly. And you, you need to be able to run a mesh concept and get to the right depth on your routes. And they just haven't been doing that. And so, like, I agree with that. I think that if the Saints team executed the plays that, you know, are their bread and butter, we wouldn't be having these conversations about, like, why is nothing working? We'd be talking about, okay, what can they add to it to make it more effective? But we don't have that baseline right now. That baseline isn't there. And you're seeing these crazy penalties. You're seeing these, these. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's just, especially in the red zone where, you know, the, you can get all cre- wonky and creative and you can do all these things, but it's like the guys have to be where they're supposed to be. And the quarterback needs to get the ball there on time and on target. And that's what hasn't happened. It hasn't been about, wow, you need to create these new crazy concepts to confuse the defense. The offense has the playmakers to beat the defense. They don't have to confuse the defense to beat them. They have to beat them. And so I, like that's to me, I, I agree. I think that is something that, especially this week and a short week where you're coming off of this slop fest of a game, just get it right, guys. Just just do the work, do the preparation and get get the plays right. I mean, we're, we're hearing from everybody. You know, you mentioned Pete Carmichael saying, you know, you know, blame it on me. But we're hearing that from the players, too. Oh, the players are saying, no, I don't want to hear, you know, putting stuff on the coaches. It's on us kind of thing. So it's, it's like the, the it's like the anti Spider-Man meme. Nobody's pointing fingers at anybody. It's like every, except yourself. And I know Alvin said that, too. It's like we got to everybody's got to, you know, get a little more uh, look in the mirror kind of thing and be more 
uh, what was the term he said? Uh, having to sacrifice, right? It doesn't feel like certain guys, and not naming names at all, but to me, I'm curious, who who is not on the same page with everyone else right now? That seems to be an issue every week, though. It's not like, I mean, you, you throw the the Patriots game out the way, and this offense hasn't looked good at all all season long. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No, and I know there's, there's a lot of criticism being hef- being thrown at Chris Olave, and I think a good chunk of it is merited, you know, when you when you... You know whether it's preparation or effort. Uh, you know those are yeah. those are two different things. I do think there's some concerning things you see with Chris Olave from week to week in terms of it seems like if he's not getting the ball, he becomes disengaged. And you know that's not that's not a a unique thing to Chris Olave. You've seen that. You know I remember Jeremy Shockey early in his career, great player, great cat pass catching tight end, but it was always like you got to involve him early because if you don't. He's just he's just gonna kind of loaf around out there because he's not doesn't feel like he's part of the game plan and you know I I don't know if that's what's happening with Chris but it does feel like if you don't get him the ball then you don't necessarily get top end Chris Olave and you know as a young player that's something that I you know maybe there's it, I think Dennis Allen said it's kind of you got to be a pro every day and that's tough for young players to kind of turn to, especially for a guy coming out of Ohio state. He's used to winning every week. He's not used to this level of adversity in terms well, of the offense not working. Look at Mike uh-huh. T. That's a great role model to have. Obviously, you know, that guy's given everything all the time. Yeah. Right. And that's, and I think that's where, you know, when Alvin is expressing frustration like that, it's because he and Mike and, you know, to a lot of other players, Demario cam, they came up into this system when, Everyone did that and everyone was dedicated to the level that was insane and extreme. And, and Drew was kind of the standard bearer in that regard. And, you know, I think Derek is a, is a crazy worker in that, in that vein too. But, but like I said, you know, he's new to this, this room. Like he's, he's not going to be the guy that everyone looks to as the example setter. It's got to be Alvin. It's got to be Mike. And, you know, they've got to, they've got to find ways to get that level of investment out of these young guys. And, you know, based on what Alvin said, I don't know if that's necessarily happening. And when you say they're not pointing fingers, like Alvin's not p- technically pointing fingers, but he named a lot of names of guys that he's not talking about. So if he weren't in that list, right, then he, yeah, he is calling in you a, out. In a way, right. Yeah, I mean, well, not directly, right? He 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 listed numbers, man. And he was like, I don't worry about this guy. I don't worry about this guy. I don't worry about this guy. Well, there's a lot of names on the offense that he did not mention. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think... It, I get, you know, and, and like I've said before, you know, people are going to say, well, you're just being easy on Derek Carr. You're just being easy on Pete Carmichael and the play calling. And it's like, I don't think I am. I think that that criticism is actually more damning that if you cannot get the effort out of your star players, your star, especially the young players, uh, then that's a problem. Then that's a coaching problem, you know, because the players are, are going to be the players either way. Right. <laughs> like you're not you're not firing the player. 
<laughs> you know? So yeah, I think that's something, um, you know, we talked to Mickey Loomis this week on WWL and I don't necessarily, I'm not playing this for you as a, as a cosign of what he's saying. Let's be clear. I'm just playing this for you. So you get an idea of how the saints front office is approaching this and how they've, and how they are projecting what they see from this offense. And uh, so here, here's that. But I am curious to, to the frustration level. Just feels like, and it's been talked about, just kind of the, some of the miscommunication, the routes, and and you know these guys have been together not long, but they have been you know since the spring. Is this how tough is that uh, really through six weeks? Well, it's it's always frustrating when you don't win. It's not as frustrating if you win the game anyway. Right. But you know, I feel like listen. I think offenses typically in the early part of the season are slow starting, right? Look at week six. You know, we're in week six already, and so you would think that would be catching up. But just this week, we had, you know, Kansas City scored 19 points. Minnesota scored 19 points. Cincinnati scored 17 points. San Francisco scored 17 points. Philadelphia scored 14 points. Buffalo scored 14 points. These are all really good offenses, and yet it's week six, and and it's not like they're, you know, ringing up a lot of points in week six. So we're going through some some of that uh, slow start. It hadn't caught up to us yet. We haven't caught up to it, I should say. And so we're going through some growing pains. We've got to figure that out pretty quickly. I Look, I saw some really good things in this game. You know, we had 430 yards of offense. We've got to learn how to finish and, and how to not – have negative plays when we get into the scoring area. Obviously, we have to kick and make field goals. So, look, those are things that are correctable, and and I believe we have the people that can that can uh, correct that. And and so yes, you know, and, and he's not wrong uh, when Mickey says like, I agree that there's a lot of teams around the NFL, and I think that's some valuable perspective that's at least worth having. Is like the Saints are far from the only team in the NFL having really awkward conversations about play calling and offensive efficiency and red zone offense. You know, like the Eagles went out there and stunk it up against the Jets. I think Jalen Hurts had three interceptions. The Bills went out there and stunk it up against the Giants at home. Uh, You know, Josh Allen really couldn't get anything going until the fourth quarter. They went ahead and won that game. They probably should have lost that game. The Giants really let them off the hook, I think. You know, and and Kansas City didn't, didn't blow anyone out of the water. You know, so... There, there is truth to the idea that the Saints are far from alone in not being, not not offensively producing at a high level. The difference is the Saints have been doing this for two years, and you can say growing pains, but this is not a new offense. It's a new quarterback, but otherwise, it's actually a very consistent offensive group. Right. Like you didn't bring in Derek Carr and say, we're redesigning everything. You brought in Derek Carr because he's supposed to be able to execute that offense at a high level. And he has not been to this point. Like I get it. He threw for 353 yards, which is actually tied with Jared Goff for the top passing performance in the NFL this week. But I think anyone who watched that game would can, can, t- can so show you the problems. It's this is a guy who has been an inconsistent and ineffective quarterback in the red zone his entire career and through six weeks. He has been nothing but an inconsistent and inefficient quarterback in the red zone. And if you can't fix that, if you can't find a way to improve that, then this season is going to go down the tubes and it's going to be another, well, can the defense get it done? Can the defense, can a very good defense carry a team that otherwise can't score? And 
that's not what it was supposed to be. And so at a certain point, you do have to hold people accountable. And kind of what I was alluding to, and I've said, said this in the last episode, you know, you're going into this Thursday night game. You need to see positive signs from the offense. You need to see them taking a step in the right direction. Then that's why, like, if you want to simplify things and you want to just get back to your core beliefs and do it and do it correctly and do it right, and then it works, or at least looks like it has some, some potential to work, then I think you go into this 10-day layoff then you can say, yes, we had growing pains. We are getting better. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. If you can't, if you go into Thursday night and you lay a dud and you cannot do anything but move the ball between the 20s and hope you can kick enough field goals to win a game and hope that your defense can get in the end zone or set you up in short fields, which you're still kicking field goals on, that's what happened against the Patriots. I think that you don't have a choice. You can't sit there and tell me after week seven that you are looking at growing pains and you don't think there's any changes that need to be made, any significant changes, because at that point you are doing a disservice to your fans. So I think this is a huge, huge week, a huge game for this team to at least install some realistic confidence against the Jags team that is exhausted. That should not be a team that you look at and say, we cannot go out and execute against this defense that just spent half of you know October in London and then played a game. And now they're playing on a short week. Like You should have the advantage, the New Orleans Saints playing at home. And if you cannot take advantage of that, then yes, I think you do need to, if not move on from Meet Car- Meet Carmichael, Pete Carmichael, then... You need to make changes and you need to find a way to install some leadership in this offense that can work or at least can change the vibes around this team. And if you don't, then I, you know, like I, like I said, I'm never, I'm not going to be at a 12 out of 10 all the time, but I'm getting close to, you know, to the point where it's like, yeah, you do need to move on. You do need to make changes because if you're not improving, then the growing pains are not growing pains. They're just pains. Yeah, we the the offensive woes or heartaches, whatever we've been witnessing, have been going on for way too long now uh, with this squad. Like you mentioned, it's not a new system. We just have a new quarterback in place. Uh, but for me, though, too, a lot of inconsistencies from a top-tier defense, and they need to come out in this game, too, for sure, and kind of set that tone uh, right away that this is our house and they're going to get after the quarterback because if it is – if it is a guy like Trevor Lawrence, you know he's hurting and you want to, you know, get in his face early on, rattle him. And if it's not, if it is Bethard, you certainly want to feast on a guy like that back there. Yeah. And and I mean, like, I think there's a scenario where you win this game and you still feel like changes on the offense are are, I, are merited. Right, right. Right. Like the defense very well could go out and win you this game. But that's winning this game seven to three or whatever, nine to six. Like, I think it, that's what that was the score when they beat Jacksonville a few years ago with Teddy, it was 13 to six. Like if you win a game like that, then I still don't see this as a, as a, as a ringing endorsement of anyone on the offensive coaching staff. That said, the defense can't go out and have a first half like it did against the Texans. That was unacceptable. And, you know, I think that any, anyone on that defense will tell you that one guy who's going to be interesting to look at is Demario Davis, who ended up on the injury part with a knee injury and would have been a DMP to those first two games, day, days of practice. Now, they didn't really practice, so I don't know. I expect him to play, and one of the reasons, and we talked about this before we came on, Demario Davis, and this is remarkable, has never missed a game due to injury in his NFL career. The only game he missed in his NFL career was in 2020, 2021, rather, the COVID game against the Dolphins where half the defense wasn't there. 
uh, half the half the team wasn't there really. Uh, that's the only game in his NFL career he has missed. So I would be stunned if he's not out there. But if he's not, man, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, I think it's probably a Jalen Smith game. Uh, to get like the DNA of Cam Jordan and Demario Davis, and somehow create some superhuman that is you know impervious to anything. <laughs> well, here's the thing. They're not impervious to anything. They, they play, just play hurt. through it, right? Right. Yes. They play through it. They're, the toughness is the is the biggest factor because, like you, like you're kidding yourself if you think that he has. <laughs> he's not going out there in like dealing with stuff a lot. All these players are. Some some players are manage it better than others. Cam Jordan's dealing with a back injury right now. Right. I love. He Matthew. said too. He, his yeah. his basically. I heard him from the locker room yesterday, and he's like, "Yeah, at this point, week seven, everybody's got their thing." Uh, I can't think about it. I'll rest on I'll rest on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the thing. You kind of there is a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of you will get some extra days off. Um, and those days will feel great if you're four and three. They will feel miserable if you are three and four. And so, like again, it's a huge matchup. Uh <laughs> they better win. Uh like you you had to if you had gone out and beaten Houston, then you could look at this and say, like, kind of the way the Jags are, like. You know, like, I don't think that they're in a desperate situation. The Saints are. The Saints need to go out and play like a desperate team. And if they can't, then that's, that is a, that is a huge, a huge, you know, negative mark in this, in the stat, in the, in the column of this coaching staff. Uh, and so we'll have to see, but that, that's all I got. You got anything else you want to say on that matchup before we move on to talk to Hayes here? No, definitely looking forward to getting into the Dome Thursday for a night game. We've been around these noon starts way too much. And yeah, getting that primetime action. You know, and I know as well, this, this crowd is going to be a lot different come Thursday night, obviously, than what we've seen this year. I hope so. Right. We, we, this, the team's got to give them reason to, to be that rabid fan base we know we're used to. Yeah, they'll be loud at the start of the game. My question is whether they're going to be loud in the third quarter because of the performance they're watching makes it so it's like, uh, you want to beat the traffic? <laughs> you know, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see. But all right, let's wrap up that segment, uh, that that sign, shiny, happy segment, and move on. We're going to chat with Hayes Carlion of Ten Ten XL in Jacksonville. Covers the Jaguars. Going to break down what we might see from Jacksonville. Whether Trevor Lawrence might actually might play. Whether it's going to be C.J. Beathard. What he's seeing there. How the Doug Peterson offense is uh, is is moving, is trucking. And uh, yeah, we're going to break down a lot of that. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about our expectations for the offensive line, X factors. All that fun stuff. This is Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. My name is Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Stick around. <laughs> 